we all sort of looked at it and went, oh, my God, it's 40 hectares. How can any one land care group um, deal with 40 hectares? It's more than just a working bee. It's more than two working bees. You could work working bee every week for the rest of time. Welcome to Talk to the Hands, a podcast telling stories of land care. I'm Kathleen Brack, and today we're going to learn about how an ordinary group of people who have been driving past a patch of bush for decades finally stopped and took action to restore it. We're heading to dairy farm country in the rolling green hills of South Gippsland to follow the story of an awesome bit of public land. 100 acres of it, in fact. That's the size of 56 soccer pitches. And now imagine those 56 soccer pitches are full of amazing wetlands and birds and wildlife and trees and has a closed railway line, road and river going through it. This bit of land is called the Black Spur. So the Black Spur project area is sort of halfway between Coomorra and Manion. This is Matt Bowler. He lives in Manion and is a long-suffering Richmond supporter. He drives past the patch of land every day to get to work at the Catchment Management Authority in Leangatha. I think everyone in South Gippsland drives past it because it's right on the edge of the highway and particularly when you look down into that bush there's these little pockets of the swamp scrub and the, the big blue gums and just driving around that road thousands of times you sort of look down and you think that's, that's a little pocket of what South Gippsland's meant to look like. Gippsland was once covered in forests and swamps. However, today, the area is nearly entirely cleared for farming. The area around the Black Spur was not cleared and therefore is an amazing snapshot of what the native bush and wetlands were like prior to European settlement. Where this Black Spur Creek comes into the Tarn River, there's just this little pocket of, of the, the Maluka Swamp and the wetland that is like, it's like a time capsule. And so particularly those big Maluka's that are in there, like some of those Maluka's are like a basketball round. When that's flooded, it just gives you this, this snapshot of what so much of South Gippsland's wetter and swampy sort of environments were like. And you think about the floodplain of the Tarn River, like all the way from about Langatha down. And when I think about that, like particularly lower down towards um, the Tullaree Swamp, Tarn Lower, there was literally thousands of acres of paperbark swamps down there. And when that was all flooded, um, it would have been unbelievable. Like, like the Indigenous people would have canoed through it, full of eels, full of, um, you know, giant perch and fish and ducks and swans and magpie geese and whatever else. Today, however, this bit of bush is run down and in desperate need of restoration. We need to restore it because a lot of the wetlands and the river are weed infested. So the wetland, the Blackspur wetlands have got a lot of um, weedy grasses coming into them. There's um, pussy willows throughout the wetlands and the river. And at the moment, there's they're only like got a tiny foothold, but if particularly because it's sort of no man's land, there hasn't been a lot of management in there, those weeds will just take over eventually and and these remnant values um, will just be um, overtaken. So, if this bit of bush is so special, why had nobody started to manage it? It's where the Blacksburg Creek uh, meets the Tarwin River. And so because of that uh, combination of the creek and the river coming together and the old railway land, the old road reserve, become a bit of a no-man's land and that's why it's been less drained and less cleared than most places in South Gippsland. So that was the problem. There were so many different groups and people who all had responsibility for the land. The State Environment Department, Vic Roads, the Shire, the Catchment Management Authority, the Rail Trail Committee and on top of that there were loads of people from the area who all drove past the Black Spur as well and all dreamed of doing something about it. 
One of those people was Jill Vella. I live in Coonwarra, just up the road from the project, not 700 metres away, and I have a deer farm. Mm-hmm. So you can actually walk from the back of my place sort of down the creek into the area. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I've done that. Jill has lived on her farm for 30 years. Every day she would drive out of her driveway and see the patch of bush. So it's really important riparian, swampy awesomeness full of snakes and frogs, kingfishers and Dresleki gums, which is the big excitement. The Strasleki gum is a type of eucalyptus tree that was once found right across the area. Today, because of land clearing, it basically is only found in a few spots and is declared to be a threatened species. Narina Landcare Group covers the Black Spur area. It started 21 years ago. The group would always speak about doing something one day at the wetlands. This is Kate Walsh. She is a member of the Narina Landcare Group. There just wasn't that momentum, but when you look back, you just think, well, it was all meant to be because those early visionaries like um, Eric Cumming and Barry Hill, they were sort of paving the way. They were sort of saying, look, there is something really special here and flagging it and, and really creating a bit of a precedent um, and meanwhile, Narina Landcare Group were doing all this work on private land. Suddenly, two things happened that would spring the group into life. One, the Railtrail received money to continue the path over the newly restored trestle bridges. And two, Vic Roads announced where the highway realignment would go. The project sort of really started to gain momentum in about... 2000, well, early 2015, I think it was, but because the bridges were going to be open, the land care group, we had a barbecue and a walk down there uh, one, I think it was a January, lovely summer's evening. So at a group meeting, the group got together and decided the time was right. Everyone was pumped, but then nothing. But after that land care meeting, there, there was a few months actually lapsed when it was just... I think in our minds, and I, I know I emailed Jenny at one stage and said, oh, yes, I'll, you know, I'd really like to. I think I emailed Jenny and Matt. And, and um, so then we, we did, and we brought everyone together. Matt agrees that it was the follow-up emails from Kate that really got the project moving. That's when it all, this, this current part of the journey commenced again. And, yeah, so we just traced back to that. And it, probably for me it was the email, the follow-up emails from Kate saying, let's get together and have a meeting about this. And that's that's the action um, that turned an idea into at least like a working group. And there was three or four of us that got together then and, and, and then started meeting. And then from those meetings came actions. But yeah, if, you, if, if it may have been just Kate just making that effort to say, I'm going to bring these people together and... So Kate followed up with her email to Jenny O'Sullivan, who was the network coordinator at the South Gippsland Landcare Network. This is Jill Valor again. I think she realised that there was a whole lot of people who were all sort of talking corners about the very same thing and not really talking to each other. And she put us all in a room and said, well, I think the time's right. And mm-hmm. we agreed. Mm-hmm. Just been waiting for someone to do that, I think. But not everyone was keen straight away. We all sort of looked at it and went, oh, my God, it's 40 hectares. How can any one landcare group... Um, deal with 40 hectares. It's more than just a working bee. It's more than two working bees. You could work working bee every week for the rest of time and you would not 
be able to do the work that needs to be done. I mean, it's beyond the scope of um, a small group of volunteers or even a large group of volunteers, I think. Seeing how overwhelmed everyone was, Jenny suggested creating a plan. We said, sure we do. Um, we need to have a plan. We need to be able to fund this properly. Um, we need to be able to take it out to people that do fund things and say, this is what we want, but we're going to have to do it all with contractors. Yes, we can have working groups. Yes, we can do citizen science. Yes, we can do all of those things, but it has to be based on a proper plan to do proper work and follow it up properly. Again, the prospect of writing a plan seemed like a massive barrier for a group of volunteers. To get a plan, again, you know, beyond the capacity of a few volunteers to do that level, it's not, but it was... It was a big ask and it was too big an ask. Um, and so what we thought we'd do was we'd be approached the Shire of South Gippsland, we would get a community development grant and we would employ a consultant to do the planning, which is how we got Michelle Harris from Hands On Consulting. So to, to get the grant application in before the deadline required... Yes, I was very busy. <laughs> we needed um, we needed letters of support from everybody because it's absolutely pointless thinking about proceeding unless all the stakeholders thought it was a good idea. Some of them did it at five minutes to the time that it was meant to be submitted. You know, oh yes, I was really going to write that letter, but I forgot. That's okay. Um, they did. We got it. It was handed in. The Shire, uh, thank you very much, Shire of South Gippsland, um, granted us the money. The group hired a consultant who created a plan on how the site could be tackled in a series of steps. The plan included both how the natural environment of the site would be improved through weed control and tree planting, but also a range of ideas on how the site can be opened up to the community. There's a potential with these uh, trestle bridges which are now restored to do some plantings adjacent to those that will um, almost be like a, a treetop walk because the, the floodplain is you know, 10, 15 metres down. And in South Gippsland, with your revegetation, it can grow so quickly that, you know, potentially you could have um, part of those those raised trestle bridges in the gum trees. You could have a koala hanging out at eye level, not far away. The plan was released at a walk with the entire group along the rail trail. Once we'd finished our draft plan, it was time to take it to the community and say, look, this is what we've done, um, that everyone was aware we were doing it in the group, um, but you know, here's a plan, you can look at it, um, you can check out the area and see why we really need to do this. So we called a public meeting, we tacked our AGM on, on the end of it, or at the beginning of it, so um, we had a captive audience that was very sneaky, but you know, you do these things. Um, so we hired the hall, put on some sausages, um, invited everybody to go for a walk down the area. So the day before, I took my um, daughter's very old and arthritic dog and took lots of photos while I was walking. So it was a, it really was a stroll. It was nothing like a walk and timed how far I could get in an hour. And as it turned out, I could get to the apple tree and back to the hall in that hour. So I thought, right, a whole crowd full of straggly persons all ooing and ahhing over this, that and the other would get to the apple tree and back. I was wrong. I was so wrong. I didn't get anywhere near the apple tree. <laughs> They were having such a lovely time. And I think that sort of really explains why we need to do this. We got a group of people, we let them loose down the rail trail, said, 
go out for half an hour and come back again and, and we'll have your dinner ready for you kind of thing. And they were having such a good time that they were all sort of strolling and chatting and, and it was just absolutely wonderful. Today the rail trail is opened and the path is busy with cyclists and walkers heading through the site. Thanks to the plan, momentum for the project is continuing. Here's Matt again. Well, the, yeah, the, getting a plan is always a massive thing and that enables you to get funding and fire up people. But the delivery of the plan is obviously where um, the real action takes place. So planting trees and spraying weeds. The good thing is um, the CMA has um, put aside $15,000 to kick that off. And so we'll be tackling some of the weeds in the next couple of months and, and a few vines and things which are introduced, which... So, yeah, the willows and then any emerging weeds are definitely the priority. And then there's parts of it that are still grazed as well. So it, it, it will take many years to talk with the, the land managers and the adjacent um, landholders and, yeah, negotiate different outcomes. So it's, it's an incremental process. Kate is sure she couldn't have done this by herself. Um, and if I could wave a magic wand, I'd be quite motivated enough to um, transform the Black Spur Creek into beautiful forest. But the reality is that um, I'm an individual and really I wouldn't feel empowered to do anything about the Black Spur as a group, we are empowered and we have depth of credibility, I guess, that no one individual could have. Matt is certain it is because of Landcare that this plan finally was created and is now being implemented. I think Landcare is the key factor in this because as we talked about earlier, there's been lots of people who have said over the years, oh, someone should you know, take that public land over and plant trees on or someone should do this rail trail should do this or Vic roads when they build the road should do this but it is Landcare the, the local members of the Narina Landcare group that have basically turned those should-haves into a, now a management plan and an action over the next few years so and it's under the auspices of that Narina Landcare group that these key people have come together and brought attention to the site and it's at the Landcare meetings that we've had the walk and talk that have sort of fired everyone up so I can't imagine it happening without Landcare. Thanks for listening to Talk to the Hands. A special thanks to the West Gippsland Catchment Management Authority for supporting the creation of this podcast. A big thanks to everyone who was happy to be interviewed, including Jill Valor, Matt Bowler and Kate Walsh. For more information about the Black Spur Project, or if you're interested in Landcare in your area, visit landcarevic.org.au. Thanks for listening and tune in next time.